Demons Discuss, Take 85, The One with the Book Witch. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie. And with me is Angela and Jean. Hello. 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 I'm all hopped up on coffee. It's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> it's going to be an episode. Bouncing into the weekend. <laughs> what are we talking about, Angela? We're talking about the Book of Life, Chapter 16. We get to go to the library and examine a rare manuscript. Yay. That's New and interesting. Yes. Because we haven't examined a rare manuscript since the beginning of this series. So, yay. And we get to meet a new friend or make a new friend. Yes. I know. And this one's not annoying. So it's (laughs) good. Yes. (laughs) She's delightful. (laughs) She was helpful, too. She was. And she didn't react too bad. No. Actually, she kind of reacted like Chris. But I already hated Chris. So I took a different... (laughs) (laughs) No, she didn't react like Chris because she says, oh, I've heard rumors about you and a tall, dark and handsome man. Well, in regards to her magic, though. Yeah. 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 She's like, I always knew something was strange, but I was scared was nefarious. But she wasn't indignant about not being in on the secret. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. They weren't that close, so I guess it didn't affect her too bad. Anyway, this podcast is sponsored by our (laughs) listeners. With their help, we're able to pay for our stuff. What stuff? Uh, Web space, media hosting, jump in anytime, guys. Uh, Music. Equipment. (laughs) Equipment. Apps. (laughs) Domain hosting. Apps. Yeah. Programs to edit the podcast. Non-janky computer. That's right. Non-janky <laughs> computer equipment. I That's figured this is the time to announce it. You guys have finally helped me get out of the 20th century. <laughs> That's right. She's no longer holding her keys on by correction tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, right. I won't be. I'm yes, you won't be. Won't be. <laughs> That's right. She will actually have a laptop that functions correctly. I still approve Yay. of the pediatric band-aid as the camera cover, though. <laughs> God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. Yes, please oh do. Oh my god! Yeah, I've got to see if I still got those curious George band aids. <laughs> I will put a picture of the computer in question in the show notes, guys. You'll need to see it. Okay, all of that is a lot. We know it, but with our patrons' help, we're able to swing it and not resort to ads, which is perfect. So, Gene, tell the people about joining Patreon. We have several levels on Patreon. The first level starts at $2 a month. And for that, you get the after show on our off weeks, which comes out fortnightly. You get entry into our Demon Roulette every month. As you go up the levels, you will get additional swag, stickers. Uh, We've done stickers. We've done coasters. We do tote bags. We do pins. You should tell them about the sticker you came up with. Oh, our new sticker that that you'll be seeing soon is going to be uh, a holographic Jerry. A holographic Jerry! Oh, Yay! He's so cute. He's so shiny and pretty and ghosty. Woo! <laughs> 
Jerry, we're not making fun of you. Please don't act up. We're we're, we're honoring you. Not everybody gets to be a holographic sticker. Right. No. I mean, that's fancy. Yeah, that's 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 our new fancy sticker that will be coming out shortly. Yep. Uh, And like I said, we also do tote bags and whatever we can dream up. That's right. And you all wind up on our sponsorship page. We put your name out there in lights and it's wonderful. And trust me, you don't want us selling you underwear in our It's Breaks. It would be bad because we tried to be funny and it would not turn out funny and <laughs> or, or get it would fired. Just turn out scandalous. <laughs> it would undoubtedly turn out scandalous. <laughs> Valerie and I, I know, with Angela silently <laughs> judging us. Yes, <laughs> not so silently judging us. <laughs> so, if you're interested in joining, go to Patreon.com/slantdemonsdiscuss. Okay, uh, discuss our emails. I didn't send out a prompt, and thus you guys didn't send. <laughs> unsolicited <laughs> emails. <laughs> so I'm going to call that a draw. You guys, we've invited you to send whatever you think about the next chapter. That's fine. But, you know, didn't happen this time. That's OK. We'll move on because this is a long it was chapter. A holiday week. Come on. Give it was. Yeah. It was. It was a short week. So, OK, so we move on. This chapter discussion is brought to us by Suzanne Stevenson. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you, Suzanne. OK, let's start the wagon here. Well, <laughs> we're getting off that Chris Bash train, guys. So, yeah. <laughs> We have other things to talk it's about. It's running here. out of steam. I know. Yeah. I think, I think I it can't be refueled, but for now. We've belabored our point. Yes. yes. We get it. You guys don't like Chris. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Uh, we left off in chapter 15 and Matthew and Diana had realized that the Claremonts were circling the wagon around them with the realization that uh, Galglass was in town. Like, oh, shit. I guess people are watching us. Okay. On our own family. Uh, we open up chapter 16 and we join Diana at the Beinecke. She's trying to look at a book. Which book is it, Angela? It's Manuscript 408, otherwise known as the Voynich Manuscript. Yay! Yay! Okay. Oh, what did I do with my phone? Shit. I stuck it over there because my sister was. <laughs> <laughs> is it like putting the book in the freezer? Right. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's where I read this shit from. Okay, here we go. All right. So let's start chapter 16. Oh, bad news, I am afraid. And this is Lucy Merriweather, new character yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. Her lips twisted in a sympathetic grimace. She was one of the Beinecke librarians, and she'd helped me for years, both with my own research and on the occasions where I brought my students to the library to use the rare books there. And I know on first read, I was so happy to see her at her home college, at her, you know, yes. this is the element she actually works in. She's not like a stranger in Oxford just trying to make her way through, even though she wasn't really a stranger to Oxford. But this is her home territory in Yale. Do you think it's projecting to? being statesiders that it's kind of familiar to us too i don't i didn't feel i didn't feel like a foreigner here yeah that's true me neither and well angela especially you wouldn't feel it because you've been there (laughs) i have been there well another reason it might not feel so foreign even if you haven't literally been to yale is that we're used to being on grand campuses that have a blend of you know not all the libraries are like the bodleian and, Mm -hmm. and architectural masterpieces no, of sometimes they look age. like ice trays. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. The undergraduate library at 
that the University of Michigan was called the ugly for a reason. It looked like a big concrete. It was like a four-story concrete block. But then we also had the law quad, which was modeled on Cambridge. Yeah, that's we're used fancy. to the mix. Yes, mm. apparently Lucy has helped her for years. Lucy goes on to tell her. Oh, did you have something to say? No, uh, I won't say it just because we decided to get off that train. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's, okay. she's helped her for years, but she's not going to be a bridesmaid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm done. <laughs> I'm going to put a ping sound effect every time we put down Chris. There you go. <laughs> That was one. <laughs> okay. Are we keeping count? I'm going to keep count. Okay, hang on. I'm going to make a tick mark. Chris Nark. <laughs> All right. Lucy goes on to say, if you want to look at the manuscript 408, you'll have to go into a private room with a curator. And there's a limit of 30 minutes. They won't let you sit in the reading room with it. And Diana's like, 30 minutes? I almost felt like she was like, do you know who I am? Right. She was. <laughs> she, she was right there. Yeah, because then she does go, well, wait a minute, I'm on faculty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fancy and special. Guys, you guys don't know that. I got an extra thing on my name badge here. It doesn't say guest. We've reduced Diana to Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So she goes, 30 minutes with a curator. I was stunned by the restrictions. Stunned, I say. <laughs> Having spent the last 10 months with, with Matthew, who'd never paid any attention to rules and regulations, I'm a Yale professor. Why does a curator have to babysit me? I want to talk to Man, your manager. she's come a long way from being upset about him parking yeah. the jag in front of yeah. the... <laughs> housing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> although i feel like she's like i'm in oxford matthew you're embarrassing me <laughs> now she's Stop in her own it. on her own turf <laughs> <laughs> those are the rules for everybody even our own faculty the whole thing's online so basically she's saying hey it's available it's not like we're restricting you i think mm-hmm. part of it is too is they probably enacted that rule for that manuscript because it's so well known and popular and that was the only way to dissuade requests uh, mm-hmm. people being tourists. The University of Michigan did the same thing with the Peter Stube pamphlet. pamphlet. Yeah, because they have one of the originals in their rare books collection and you can only access it digitally now because they got tired of all the Harry Potter tourists requesting it. Oh, wow. Okay. But I digress. So she's thinking to herself, but a computer image, no matter how high the resolution, wasn't going to give me the information I needed. I'd last seen the Voynich Manuscript, now Beinecke Library, MS 408 in 1591, when Matthew had carried the book from Dr. D's library to the court of Emperor Rudolf in Prague, hoping that we can swap it out for the Book of Life. Now I hoped it would shed light on what Edward Kelly might have done with Book of Life's missing pages. I've been searching for clues to their whereabouts since we went to Madison. One missing page had an image of two scaly long-tailed creatures bleeding into a round vessel. The other image was a splendid rendering of a tree, its branches bearing an impossible combination of flowers, fruit, leaves, and its trunk made up of writhing human shapes. I hoped that locating the two pages would be fairly straightforward in the age of the internet searches and digitalized images. So far, that had not been the case. So she says, this is Lucy. Maybe if you can explain why you need to see the physical book. And then Lucy trailed off. Then Diana's thinking to herself, but how can I tell Lucy I needed the book so I can use magic on it? You know, hey, how am I going to do this? <laughs> this was the Beinecke Library, for heaven's sakes. If anyone found out, it would ruin my career. 
I'll look at the Voynich tomorrow. Hopefully I'd have another plan by then. Since I couldn't very well haul out my mother's book of shadows and devise new spells in front of a curator. Well, no, uh, that wouldn't go over well. Juggling my witch self and my scholar self was proving difficult. Did the other books I requested arrive? They did. Lucy's eyebrows lifted when she slid the collection of medieval magical texts across the desk, along with several early printed books. Changing your research focus? In an effort to be prepared for any magical eventuality when it finally came time to recall Ashmole 782 and reunite it with its missing pages, I had called up the books that might inspire my efforts to weave new higher magic spells. Though my mother's spell book was a valuable resource, I knew from my own experiences how far modern witches have fallen when compared to the witches of the past. They suck. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what this passage makes me think? Uh Uh-huh. That on a lot of levels, her working relationship, which I mean, they don't necessarily call Lucy a friend in the text, but I think she in many ways is more of a friend because there's an intimacy with their relationship that we see on the page right there, just as far as that comment that, oh, you're changing your research focus Mm -hmm. because you're pulling these magical texts out. What's going on? And we got a tell with Chris versus a show with which, Lucy, right? Which is what we get right. with Lucy, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to count that as a... That's just an observation. Yeah, and it's more about her and Lucy. There's an intimacy there. Yeah. And, and I think that unfolds even more as the chapter goes on. So she tells Lucy alchemy and magic aren't completely distinct. <laughs> that had and a taste I mean, like ash in her mouth. She's got to agree with Sarah now. <laughs> I know. Your face is cracked and on the ground, Diana. Huh? How's that feel? <laughs> Sarah and M had tried to get me to see that for years. At last, I believe. I mean, it only took all years. this time. <laughs> Once I settled in the reading room, the magical manuscripts were as intriguing as I hoped. With sigils that reminded me of weaver's knots. Is that how you pronounce that word? Sigils. Sig- Mm-hmm. Sigils? Okay. Weaver's knots and grammary that was precise and potent. The early modern books on witchcraft, most of which I only knew by title and reputation, were horrifying, however. Each one brimmed with hatred for witches and anyone else who was different, rebellious, or refused to conform to societal expectations. Yeah, I mean, that's, some of that hasn't changed. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, no, sadly. Yeah. It's still going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hours later, still seething over Jean. Is that pronounced like your name? Jean. Jean (laughs) Don't pronounce it. Like my name. (laughs) Jean Bodins. Okay, did I do that right? Jean. I kept thinking it was like Bodin, like Bodin, like uh, Cajun sausage. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna go with Jean Bodin. I think Bodin, Bodin, like Rodin. That's okay. Jean Baudin. Yes. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yes. Over Jean Baudin's vitriolic insistence that all foul opinions about witches and their evil deeds were warranted, I returned the books and manuscripts to Lucy and made an appointment for nine o'clock the next morning to view the Voynich manuscript with the head curator. I tramped up the staircase, the main level of the library. You know the places she's talking about because you've been there. Yes. Tell us about it. Oh, I just looked yes. at our our feature 
way back when demons discovered the Beinecke Library. And we actually mm-hmm. have a video. I walked up the stairs recreating this line here. So you could all of a sudden walk up the staircase and then voila, there is the tower of books, the spinal column, as Diana says, of the Beinecke Library. And it is absolutely stunning. It's it's not a, a huge like library like you picture rows and stacks of books. It's more right. on the outskirts. And what you see on the outside of the Beinecke, that stone, is what you see on the inside, too, only it's a little bit different, um, illuminated differently. Uh, but that, right. that centerpiece is everything. You can't get to it. You can't touch it. It's enclosed by glass. And I, I suppose that's when they fetch the books from there. But it's absolutely uh-huh. stunning. It really is. And Deb, of course, describes it exactly how it is. So the stone that you see that make the ice trays interior, those are translucent? Does the light come through? Yes, a little bit. Things? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes, guys, so you can experience the Angela experience going through the Beinecke. <laughs> yeah, and FYI, we do we do have um, the facsimile copy of the Beinecke. We have photos of that in that same feature. I think something might happen with that soon. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. I know. It's also signed by Deb, isn't it? It is. Something definitely is going to happen with that. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned, audience. All right, here we go. Here, glass and case books form the Beinecke's spinal column, the core of knowledge and ideas around which the collection was built. Rows and rows of rare books were lined up on the shelves, bathed in light. It was a breathtaking sight, one that reminded me of my purpose as a historian to rediscover the forgotten truths contained in those old dusty volumes. Mm -hmm. So Matthew was waiting for outside. He was lounging around and I'm picturing this low sky, you know. I have already morphed him into Matthew Good in my head. I'm sorry. I tried not home. to. Brain picture there. Yeah. Lounging around, looking loche as I pictured him in the queen. Very nice. It was nice. It was nice, this picture. Yes. Enjoy it oh, with me. I, I think the crown probably had some shots that would be very comparable to what this scene conjures up. I think I fell in love with him on the crown. I was like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I hadn't pictured Matthew Good in this, this scene, and now I will. I don't know why I didn't make that switch, but now that you say that, I picture the one of the few behind-the-scenes filming of season three that we got to see, and he's black on black on black, like black jacket, black sweater, black pants. So now that's what yeah. I'm picturing mm-hmm. against the stark white sculpture. He's so long-limbed, too. Oh, yeah. It's kind of perfect. <laughs> like fanning myself here. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. Anyway, <laughs> 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 Overlooking the Beinecke Stark Sculpture Garden, his legs crossed at the ankles. I see it. Thumbing through the messages on his phone. Sensing my presence, he looked up and he smiled. I see that too. I oh know. my God, I'm ruined. Fuck. <laughs> take a breath. You need to, need to take a breath. Not a creature alive could have resisted that smile or look of Get concentration. Out of I know, not even me. In those gray-green eyes. How was your day, he asked after giving me a kiss. I'd ask him not to text me constantly. If this guy wanted to text me, the guy I'm picturing right now, it's fine. You wouldn't be putting the phone in the refrigerator like your sister. (laughs) No. (laughs) Be like, yeah, no, no, thank you. No, see, no, I would definitely look at the text. I'd asked him not to text me constantly, and he's been unusually cooperative. As a result, he genuinely didn't know how my day was. 
She says, a bit frustrating. I suppose my research skills are bound to be rusty after so many months. Besides, and then her voice dropped, the books all look weird to me. They're so old and worn compared to how they looked in the 16th century. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the other funny thing, too, is like, oh, I must have been rusty because I haven't been doing it. It's like, well, you were blatantly using magic to do your research. (laughs) Right. Right. I know. Now you're all like paying attention to shit now. So, But the other thing is, too, is, I mean, she literally was like, I can't use my magic in the library because they're going to find out. But she has been and she didn't even know it before. So that's yes. the crazy part. Yeah. yeah. That's what's so funny. It's like, oh, I must be rest. It's like, no, you're just not using your magic. You were before. <laughs> you never admitted to yourself. Okay. So Matthew put his head back and laughed. I hadn't thought about that. Your surroundings have changed, too, since you last worked on alchemy at Baynard's Castle. He looked over his shoulder at the Beinecke. He's like, I know the library is an architectural treasure, but I still think it looks like an ice cube tray. And it does. You'll see the pictures. Yeah. Yep. And it's typical of that particular architect. He's like very ugly and brutalist. And <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, have, I mean, if they were going to, I could see why Yale wanted a modern building, but they should have gone with Yamasaki. But that's just my personal opinion because he was very modern, but there's, more of a organic lightness to it. Well, and yeah. Klein Biology Tower is like vertical. So there's one modern and then like, let's give you a horizontal one now. So that's the Beinecke. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, which alumni owned a giant cement company is what I want to know. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> who was ever pouring all the concrete for that made a lot of money. So Diana agrees with him. She's like, so it does. I suppose if you built it, the Beinecke would look like a Norman keep or a Romanesque cloister. Matthew says, I was thinking of something gothic, far more modern. (laughs) (laughs) Far more modern than what? (laughs) Ready to go home? And then she says, more than ready. I said, wanting to leave Jean Baudin behind me. Did I say it right? Yes. Did I do it? Yes. Did it. He gestured at my book bag. May I? Uh, of course. See the guy I'm picturing? Yes, you can carry my book bag. <laughs> Usually Matthew didn't ask. He was trying not to smother me, just as he was attempting to rein in his overprotectiveness. I rewarded him with a smile and handed it over without a word. Oh, so sweet. Dot, dot, dot. New time and place, guys. Mm-hmm. It's 9 a.m. the next day. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So Lucy's there and she wants to know, where's Roger? (laughs) And she was looking down at her watch. I had been granted exactly 30 minutes with a Voynich manuscript and the curator was nowhere to be seen. How dare you, Roger? Anyway, for shame. Roger called in sick. See, Roger, you're no good. Just as he always does on the first day of classes. He hates the hysteria and all the freshmen asking for directions. You're stuck with me. God, this sounds vaguely familiar. I know. <laughs> Haven't we like played out this theme before? Matthew. Yeah, Matthew's like, mm, so peopley out here. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's too peopley. Lucy picked up the box that held up by Nikki MS 408. And Diana's like, yeah, sounds good. And she tried to keep her excitement out. She's trying to be casual. She's like, yeah, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. No big deal. This might be exactly the break I needed, she's thinking to herself. She's like, hmm. well, I mean, for a close friend, she's about to dupe her close friend. That's what she's thinking anyway. Yeah, well, that's it's just, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy led me to a small private room with windows overlooking the reading room, poor lighting, and a beat up foam cradle. 
Security cameras mounted high on the walls would deter any reader from stealing or damaging one of the Beinecke's priceless books. Lucy says, I won't start the clock until you unwrap it. And then she handed her the box manuscript. It was all that Lucy was carrying. She didn't have any distractions. Lucy was there to watch Diana look at this book. That's She's taking her job seriously. And Diana's taking all that in. She's like, shit, I'm not even going to be able to pull the wool over this girl's eyes. She doesn't have a cell phone. She won't be looking at TikTok or Twitter or nothing. Shit. Though I normally flip manuscripts open to look at the images, I wanted to take my time with the Voynich. I slid the manuscript's limp vellum binding, the early modern equivalent of a paperback, through my fingers. Images flooded my mind, my witch's touch revealing that the present cover was put on the book several centuries after it was written and at least 50 years after I held it in Dee's library. I could see the bookbinder's face and 17th century hairstyle when I touched the spine. Hmm. I carefully laid the Voynich in the waiting foam cradle and opened the book. I lowered my nose until it practically touched the first stain page. And then Lucy's like, what are you doing, Diana? (laughs) Smelling it? (laughs) And Diana says, as a matter of fact, I am. If Lucy was going to cooperate with my strange request this morning, I needed to be as honest as possible. Is that a weird question? At first, I'm like, that's kind of intrusive. But then I'm like, well, she is trying to monitor what she's doing. Yeah. yeah. I would find it funny. I'd be like, wait, what do you do? <laughs> well, it's just, and I think it's also just curiosity. It's like, yeah. yeah. Why are you smelling it? Is this a thing? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think I'd want to know. I'm like, is this a thing that you guys do? You or maybe I should be doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, well, it's more like an art conservator kind of thing than a historian thing. Yeah. Yeah. That may have been part of it, too. So openly curious, Lucy came around the table. She gave the Voynich a good sniff, too. She's like, it smells like an old manuscript to me. Lots of bookworm damage. She swung her reading glasses down yeah. and took a closer look. Robert Hooke examined bookworms under his microscope in the 17th century. He called them the teeth of time. Looking at the first page of the Voynich, I could see why. It was riddled with holes in the upper right-hand corner and the bottom margin, both of which were stained. I think the bookworms might have been drawn to the oils that reader's fingers transferred to the parchment. And Lucy wants to know what makes you say that? And she's like, hey, shit, since we're here, I might as well learn something. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So Diane explains the damage is worse where a reader would have touched to turn the next folio. I rested my finger in the corner of the page as if I was pointing to something. That brief contact set off another explosion of faces, one morphing into another. Emperor Rudolph's avaricious expression, a series of unknown men dressed in clothing from different periods, two of them clerics, a woman taking careful notes, another woman packing up a box of books, and the demon Edward Kelly furtively tucking something into the Voynich's cover. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. There's a lot of damage on the bottom edge, too. Let me put my fingers there. (laughs) Where the manuscript would have rested against the body if you were carrying it ignorant of the slideshow playing before my witch's third eye. Lucy peered down at the page. The clothes of the time were probably pretty oily. Didn't most people wear wool? Diana's like, wool and silk, girl. Come on. You're supposed to know that. (laughs) (laughs) I hesitated and decided to risk everything. My library card, my reputation, perhaps even my job. 
Can I ask a favor, Lucy? She looked at me warily. That depends. I want to rest my hand flat on the page. It will only be for a moment. I watched her carefully gauge whether she was planning to call in the security guards for reinforcement. You can't touch the pages, Diana. You know that. If I let you, I'll be fired. Come on, man. Not everybody's wealthy like you. I have to pay (laughs) my fucking bills, right? I nodded. I know. I'm sorry to put you in such a tough spot. Lucy wants to know, why do you need to touch it? (laughs) Here's Diana's explanation. And it's the truth. I have a sixth sense when it comes to old books. Sometimes I can detect information about them that's not visible to the naked eye. That sounded a little weirder than I anticipated. (laughs) (laughs) Sixth sense. uh, Yeah, usually does. Are you some kind of book witch? Lucy's eyes narrowed. And Diana's like, that's exactly what I am. And she's laughing about it. And then Lucy's like, I'd like to help you, Diana, but we're on camera, though there's no sound. Thank God. Oh, my God. Someone heard that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Everything that happens in this room is taped and someone is supposed to be watching the monitor whenever the room is occupied. She shook her head. It's too risky. Diana says, what if nobody could see what I was doing? (laughs) (laughs) Lucy's like, if you cut off the camera or put chewing gum on the lens. And yes, someone did try it. Security will be here in five seconds. Let's see. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't going to use chewing gum, but something like this. I pulled my familiar disguising spell around me. It would make any magic I worked all but invisible. Then I turned my hand over and touched the tip of my ring finger to my thumb, pinching the green and yellow threads that filled the room into a tiny bundle. Together, the two colors blended into the unnatural yellow-green that was good for disorientation and deception spells. I planned on tying them in the fifth knot, since the security camera definitely qualified as a challenge. The fifth knot's image burned in my right wrist in anticipation. Yeah, and the interesting thing is it's a combination of yellow is air and the green for the green thumb is the goddess's mother, which is kind of fun because it's like, okay, the goddess is capricious and she's going to use air to be even more deceptive. (laughs) Isn't all magic kind of deceptive though? (laughs) In a way. Well, isn't the goddess involved in pretty, doesn't get green get tossed in pretty much all of it though too. Yeah, that's true. So Lucy commented, nice tats. Why'd you choose gray ink? And Diana's like, gray is clearly colorful, but whatever. And then she thought, she was like, okay, when magic is in the air, my hands were every color of the rainbow. My disguising spell must be working. And then she goes, because gray goes with everything, girl, you know. She's like, okay, yeah, good thinking. <laughs> like, what the fuck All is right. up with this girl? <laughs> and then Diana returns to her spell. It needed some black in it, as well as the yellow and green. I snagged the fine black threads that surrounded me on my left thumb and slid them through a loop made by my right thumb and ring finger. The result looked like an unorthodox mudra, one of the hand positions in yoga. With a knot of five, the spell will thrive, I murmured, envisioning the completed weaving with my third eye. The twist of the yellow, green, and black tied itself into an unbreakable knot with five crossings. And Lucy's like, did you just bewitch the voynich? <laughs> Tina's like, of course not, you silly girl. Anyway, <laughs> after my experiences with bewitched manuscripts, I wouldn't do such a thing lightly. I bewitched the air around it. To show Lucy what I meant, I moved my hand over the first page, hovering about two inches over the surface. The spell made it appear that my fingers stopped at the bottom of the book. Diana, whatever you're doing or trying to do didn't work. You're just touching the edge of the page like you're supposed to. 
actually, my hand is over here. And then she wiggled her fingers, so they, they peeked out over the top edge of the book. It was a bit like the old magician's trick where a woman is put into a box and the box was sawed in half. Try it. Don't touch the page yet. Just move your hand so it covers the text. I slid my hand out to give Lucy room. She followed my directions and slid her hand between the voynich and the deception spell. Her hand appeared to stop when it reached the edge of the book. But if you look carefully, you can see that her forearm was getting shorter. She withdrew it quickly as though she touched a hot pan. She turned and stared. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're a witch. <laughs> What a relief, she says. I'm like, oh, my God, what a relief. <laughs> I always suspected you were hiding something, and I was afraid it might be something unsavory. Unsavory. Or even, <laughs> or even illegal. <laughs> like Chris, she didn't seem remotely surprised to discover that there really were witches. Will you let me break the rules? She glanced down at the Voynich. Only if you tell me what you learned. This damn manuscript is the bane of our existence. We get 10 requests a day to see it and then turn down every one. Lucy returned to her seat and adopted a watchful position. But be careful. If someone sees you, you'll lose your library privileges. And I don't think you would survive if you were banned from the Beinecke. Hmm. She has a point. I took a deep breath and stared down at the open book. The key to activating my magic was curiosity. But if I wanted more than a dizzying display of faces, I needed to formulate a careful question before putting my hand to parchment. I was more certain than ever that the Voynich held important clues about the Book of Life and its missing pages. But I was only going to get one chance to find out where they were. What did Edward Kelly place inside the Voynich and what happened to it? I whispered before looking down and gently resting my hand on the first fol folio of the manuscript. One of the missing pages from the Book of Life appeared before my eyes. The illumination of the tree with its trunk full of writhing human shapes. It was gray and ghostly, transparent enough that I could see through it to my hand and the first writing on the Voynich's first folio. A second shadowy page appeared atop the first, two dragons shedding their blood so it, it fell into a vessel below. A third insubstantial page layered on top of the previous two, the illumination of the alchemical wedding. For moments, the layers of text and image remained stacked in a magical palimpsest atop the Voynich's stained parchment. Then the alchemical wedding dissolved, following by the picture of the two dragons, but the page with the tree remained. Hopefully that image had become real. I lifted my hand from the page and withdrew it. I gathered up the knot at the heart of the spell and jammed it over my pencil eraser. Temporarily invisible. See, I'm trying to picture yeah. what she's doing. She lost me over the I'm eraser. going on okay. faith now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You've lost me, Diana, but okay. Is it like kind of taking it aside and like, I don't, I don't know, know why she put it on the pencil eraser, but anyways. To, to make sure it's real? I, I don't know. It's weird. Um, Temporarily invisible and revealing by Nikki MS 408. My heart sank. There was no missing page from the book of life there. And Lucy says, not what you expected to see. And then she says, no, something was here once a few pages from another manuscript, but they're long gone. I pinched the bridge of my nose. And then Lucy's like, well, maybe the sales records mention them. We have boxes of paperwork on the Voynich's acquisition. Do you want to see them? Well, <laughs> Do I, Diana? <laughs> Diana says, oh, my God. I have a question. Why didn't anybody think about the fact that it was rebound? And apparently, I mean, it was rebound after Edward Kelly died. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So, of course, somebody had gone through it page by page. Somebody did the bookbinder find the hidden pages or page? Yeah. See? Yeah. I mean, Gene's thinking these people (laughs) in this book are not. Come on. Come on. Like, you've got the clues right there. It's like, yeah, of course they're not there anymore. There's a different binding. Come on. We already did this with Philippe in the last book. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. The dates of book sales and the names of the people who bought and sold the books could be assembled into a genealogy that described a book's history and descent right down to the present. In this case, it might also provide clues as to who might once have owned the picture of the tree and the dragons that Kelly removed from the Book of Life. (laughs) So Diana replies, absolutely. She's excited. Lucy boxed up the Voynich and returned it to the locked hold. She returns shortly thereafter with a trolley loaded with folders, boxes, various notebooks, and a tube. Hmm. Here is everything on the Voynich, and it's all confusing glory. It's been picked through thousands of times by researchers, but nobody was looking for three missing manuscript pages. So she's like, this is new. She headed toward our private room. Come on, I'll help you sort through it all. What's weird is, I mean, for as long as everybody's been picking through it, nobody has ever decided to put together a provenance for it. Right. Which is basically what Lucy's describing, unless this is Deb teaching us about methods. It's our little methods lesson. So what is a provenance? Well, the same thing she was saying. It's another way for saying genealogy. When they say provenance, it's like with a painting, you trace it back through who owned it. And it's a way of proving it is what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was like, provenance. What is that? I needed to compare it to something. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a book genealogy. Right, right. That proves it's not a forgery amongst other things. Right. So like for me, the way I think about it is like in code, who originated that code? What was the date it was first created? Mm-hmm. When, you know, who altered it on the way? And if you look, you can see there is a digital file that goes along with it and you cannot alter mm-hmm. that. Right. So every every person who's looked at that code or taken it or alter it, there's some there's a trail. <laughs> marker. There's a trail. I love so. how our brains process that in totally different ways. I mean, I understand what provenance is, but I think of it as in money laundering. You have to establish the origination Uh of the funds and the source of the funds, how they were (laughs) to make sure they're legal. That's right. And who paid taxes on these? Right. I was going to say both you and I look at it as a way of discounting whether anything nefarious happened along the way. Yes, right. Right. And that's legit at the source. Yeah. Okay. I have one request before we move on. Can you refresh me and maybe the listeners too on who got what pages among the the three species? Demon page is the one with the tree. That was the one with the drag. Yeah. And the Mm drag, well, which we don't know yet. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The page with the dragons is the vampire page, which we'll be seeing in a couple of episodes from now. And Mm -hmm. then the first page. With the wedding, we already know belongs to Diana and that's sitting over in the lab. And that's the witch page. That's the witch page. Yep. I was just wondering if the the, the way that they disappeared, if that's how they were doled out. So the first one to disappear was doled out to, it says... Abraham. Yeah, Abraham. Then the alchemical mm-hmm. wedding dis- dissolved, followed by the picture of the two dragons, but the page with the tree remained. I just wondering if that was like right. foreshadowing or context clues. I think there's context clues, too, because we're going to find out in a few minutes we're, as we're doing the genealogy that the book ended up with Kircher. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Who is a demon. Right. So there's okay. that. Carry on, Valerie. We're getting ahead <laughs> of ourselves a little bit here. <laughs> okay. Beating ahead to the good parts. <laughs> 
It took 30 minutes simply to organize the material on the long table. Some of it would be of no use at all. The tube and the scrapbook full of newspaper clippings, the old photostats and lectures and articles written about the manuscript after the collector, Wilfred Voynich, purchased it. Wilfred? Huh. Maybe that's huh. why they got that name in the show. I don't know. Wilfred is not something you hear a lot. No. Anyway, uh, purchase it. I'm, I digress. Purchased it in 1912. That still left folders full of correspondence, handwritten notes, and a clutch of notebooks kept by Wilfred's wife, Ethel. I think Ethel was one of the two ladies she saw when she first touched the book. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a copy of the chemical analysis of the manuscript, a printout of the cataloging information, and a list of everyone granted access to the manuscript in the past three years. Dun, dun, dun. Lucy handed me a sheaf of papers. You can keep them. Don't tell anyone I gave you that list of library patrons, though. Oops. Matthew will have to go over the chemistry with me. It was all about the inks used in the manuscript, a subject that interested both of us. The list of people who had seen the manuscript was surprisingly short. Hardly anyone got to look at it anymore. Those who had been granted access were mostly academics. A historian of science from the University of Southern California. (laughs) I love that, though. I love that Diana's... It's so meta. Yeah. And another from Cal State Fullerton. A mathematician uh, cryptographer from Princeton and another from Australia. The one from Princeton has been bugging me for years. I still can't figure out who that can't is. Can't figure out who that is? Okay. And Deb won't give me any more clues. Really? <laughs> That's weird. I had had coffee with one of the visitors before leaving for Oxford, a writer of popular fiction who was interested in alchemy. One name jumped off the page, though. Peter Knox had seen the voyage this past May before Emily died. That bastard. My fingers tingled and the knots on my wrist burned in warning. Lucy's like, something's wrong. There's a name on the list I didn't expect to see. Ah, a scholarly rival, she nodded sagely. I guess you can say that, but my difficulty with Knox was more than an argument over competing historical interpretations. This was war, and if I were going to win it, I would need to pull ahead of him for a change. The problem was that I had little experience tracking down manuscripts and establishing their provenance. The papers I knew best had belonged to the chemist Robert Boyle. All 74 volumes of them had been presented to the Royal Society in 1769. And like everything in the Royal Society archives, they were meticulously cataloged, indexed, and cross-referenced. So she never really had to create one of these, in other words. No, (laughs) no, this is like a firm scratch project and she's gonna have to watch a youtube video to learn how to do this shit she's gonna (laughs) do it (laughs) if i want to trace the voynich's change of ownership where do i start i'm used a lot or she can you know do some magic or something staring at the materials and then lucy's like the fastest way would be for one of us to start at the manuscript's origins and work forward while the other one starts at the beinecke's acquisition and work backwards with luck we'll meet in the middle Lucy handed me a folder. You're the historian. You take the old shit. Here you go. <laughs> she said stuff, not shit, but you know. She wanted to say shit. I'm Lucy in my mind. So here we go. The old shit. I opened the folder expecting to see something related to Rudolph II. Instead, I found a letter from a mathematician in Prague, Johannes Marcus Marky? Marcy? Marky? 
I don't know. It mm-hmm. was written in Latin, dated 1665, and sent to someone in Rome addressed as Reverend et Exime Domine in Cristo Pater. The, the recipient was a cleric then, perhaps one of the men I'd seen when I touched the corner of the Voynich's first page. I quickly scanned the rest of the text, noting that the cleric was Father Athanasius and that Marcy's letter was accompanied by a mysterious book that needed deciphering. The Book of Life, perhaps? Marcy said that attempts had been made to contact Father Athanasius before, but letters had been met with silence. Oh, he ghosted you, dude. (laughs) Excited. (laughs) Excited, I kept reading. When the third paragraph revealed the identity of Father Athanasius, however, my excitement turned to dismay. The Voynich manuscript once belonged to Athanasius Kircher. If the missing pages had passed into Kircher's hands, they could be anywhere. And Lucy replied, I'm afraid so. I understand he was er, wide ranging in his interests. Yeah. <laughs> trying to no, be polite You could there. hear the air quotes drip off that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement, I said. Athanasius Kircher's modest goal had been nothing less than universal knowledge. I mean, no big deal, just universal yeah. knowledge. He had published 40 books and was an internationally best-selling author as well as an inventor. Kircher's Museum of Rare and Ancient Objects was a famous stop on early European grand tours. His range of correspondence extensive and his library vast. I didn't have the language skills to work through Kircher's how do you say that word? Oeuvre. Oof. 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 That's right. The ray is silent. Oof. <laughs> As opposed to oof, which is egg. <laughs> I'm so fancy. Anyway. <laughs> More important, I lack the time. My phone vibrated in my pocket, making me jump. Back up the bus here, Diana. You don't have the time. This is like you not wanting to use the Gutenberg Bible. You've got the walking reference. Go ask Matthew how much he hung out with this dude and what he remembers. I'm Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) Come on now. Use your resources. Uh, I slid the phone out and checked the display. On it was a text message from Matthew. There you go. (laughs) The universe is talking to her. Where are you? Galaglass is waiting for you. We have a doctor's appointment in 90 minutes. I curse silently. I'm just leaving the Beinecke. I type back. You know what? It's funny. I'm sorry. I'm going to like diverge for a second. My boss, her yeah. husband, he's a stay at home husband. And um, he's always calling like towards. She is a workaholic. She will stay at work till like six, seven, eight, nine, ten mm-hmm. at night. Oh right. Gosh. But her husband will call and she's like, I'm just walking out the door. Three hours later, <laughs> she, she's still like, there. Gonna, she, she's like, I know, I know, I know. I'm coming. I'm walking out the door. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know why this made me think of it, but it did. She's like, I'm just leaving the Beinecke because that's what she would do. She's like, I'm just uh-huh. leaving. I'll be there in 10 minutes or something. My husband and I have a date, Lucy. I'm going to have to pick up with this again tomorrow. I said, closing the folder containing Marcy's letter to Kircher. A reliable source told me you are on campus with someone tall, dark and handsome. Lucy grinned. <laughs> And she's like, that's my husband, all right. Mm-hmm. He's fine, right? You should have seen him yesterday when he was leaning against that wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm hitting that. <laughs> I hit that. <laughs> it's funny until you see her stomach. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, not so sexy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
Leave everything with me. Things are pretty slow around here at the moment. I'll see what I can piece together. Thanks for your help, Lucy. I'm under a type and non-negotiable deadline. I scooped up my pencil, laptop, pad of paper, and rushed to meet Gal Glass. Matthew had seconded his nephew to act as my security detail. Gal Glass was also responsible for monitoring Benjamin's internet feed, but so far the screen had remained blank. Hello, auntie. You're looking bonny. He kissed me on the cheek. I'm sorry I'm late. Of course you're late. You were with your books. I didn't expect you for another hour at least, but then she would have missed her fucking appointment. Gal glass. Come on. Anyway, uh, dismissing my apology. When we got to the lab, Matthew had the image of the alchemical wedding from Asheville 72 in front of him and was so absorbed that he didn't even look up when the door pinged. Chris and Sherlock were standing at his shoulder, watching intently. Scully sat on a rolling stool nearby. Game Boy had a tiny instrument in her hand and was holding it dangerously close to the manuscript page. You get scruffier all the time, Galaglass. When did you last comb your hair? <laughs> Miriam swiped a card through the reader at the door. It was marked visitor. Chris was taking security seriously. Yesterday, Galaglass patted the back of the sides of his head. Why? Is a bird nesting in it? <laughs> all right, find that's this, charming. People find this sexy, though. <laughs> but it's, it's cute. It's kind of it funny. <laughs> it's not sexy, but it's kind of funny. I'm like, comb your hair, Galagas. It's kind of like motorcycle hair. I mean, yeah. it's <sighs> occupational yeah. hazard. I guess. It's, a, it's helmet hair, but he doesn't wear a helmet. So cute. No, but yeah. he, that's, he's got the wind in his hair. Oh, right. there you go. Carry a brush in a saddlebag. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, why is a bird nesting in it? One might well be. Miriam nodded in my direction. <laughs> Hi, Diana. Matthew will be with you soon. What's he doing? I asked. Trying to teach a postgraduate student with no knowledge of biology or proper laboratory procedures on how to remove DNA samples from parchment. I think she was saying it loud like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think she was. <laughs> Miriam looked at the group surrounding Matthew with disapproval. I don't know why Roberts funds creatures who don't even know how do you run agarose gels, but I'm just the lab manager here. Across the room, Game don't Boy look at left. Me. Out. It's just my job. <laughs> <laughs> no big fucking deal, Christopher <laughs> <love> Roberts. <laughs> Across the room, Game Boy let out a frustrated expletive. Pull up a stool. This could be a while. Miriam rolled her eyes. Don't worry, it takes practice, Matthew told Game Boy with his voice soothing. I'm nothing but thumbs with that computer game of yours. Try again. Again? My mouth dried up, making repeated stabs at the page from Ashmole 782 might damage the palimpsest. I started towards my husband, and Chris spotted me. Hey, Diana, he intercepted me with a hug. He looked at Galglass. I'm Chris, Roberts, Diana's friend. Galglass, Matthew's nephew. Galglass surveyed the room and his nose wrinkled. Something stinks. Uh, the grad students played a little joke on Matthew. Chris pointed to the computer terminal, which was festooned with wreaths of garlic bulbs. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> a crucifix designed for a car dashboard was attached to the mouse pad with a That's suction funnier. cup. <laughs> That's even funnier. It's like all you needed was a dashboard Jesus. <laughs> Chris turned his attention to Galaglass's neck with intensity that was particularly vampiric. Do you wrestle? <laughs> I know we talked about this. 
I know. It's like such a weird non sequitur. It's like, <laughs> are your interests wide ranging, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> you want to wrestle? <laughs> That's a weird pickup line. I've never heard one. <laughs> Someone's going to write a fanfic on this. I swear to God. God. Oh, God. I might be interested. I'm just I, saying. I, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, no. I, I'm just going to keep promoting the idea of the grudge fuck with Fernando <laughs> and be done with it. Oh, my God. Why haven't you written that yet? What's going on? I've been a little <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Angela. <laughs> okay, we're pulling out of the ditch now. <laughs> okay. So Galaglass is like, well, I've been known to do so for sport. Galaglass looked down shyly, his cheeks dimpled, like, oh, are you flirting with me, Professor? <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. Okay. Poor, poor Miriam. I know. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. It's very weird. Ah, <laughs> uh, not Greco-Roman by any chance, Chris asks. My partner injured his knee and will be in rehab for months. I am looking for a temporary replacement. And Galglass says, it must be Greek. I'm not sure about the Roman part. <laughs> and then Chris is like, where did you learn? And Galglass is like... My grandfather taught me. Galgas <laughs> scrunched up his face as his concentration deepened. I think he wrestled a giant once. He was a fierce fighter. <laughs> There's an Easter egg right there, which is one of uh, Hercules' exploits, shall we say? Yeah. Is this a vampire grandfather, Chris asked? Galgas nodded. Vampire wrestling must be fun to watch. I'm like, Chris! <laughs> what are you like- here, dude? <laughs> Slow your roll, man. We just met, dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I told you this was the weird part before we turned our mics on. Yeah. It just struck me funny. Okay. So Chris grinned like alligator wrestling, but without the tail. No wrestling. I'm serious, Chris. I wanted no responsibility, no matter how indirect, for causing bodily harm. There's so many layers of entendre built into this that I'm I, saying. It's like, God, no, just stop. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> for causing bodily harm to a MacArthur genius. Spoil sport, Chris let out a piercing whistle. Wolfman, your wife is here. And Diana's thinking to herself, Wolfman. Okay. Oh, Lord. She's not the only one thinking to herself, Wolfman. Matthew's tone was frosty, but he gave me a warm smile that made my toes curl. I was aware of that, Christopher. Then he says to Diana, Hello, Diana. I'll be with you as soon as I finish with Jeanette. And then Chris murmurs, Game Boy's name is Jeanette. Who knew? And then Miriam says, I did. So did Matthew. Perhaps you can tell me why she's in my lab, Miriam asks. Jeanette's PhD will be in computational bioinformatics. She belongs in a small room full of terminals, not test tubes. I like the way her brain works, Chris said with a shrug. She's a gamer and she sees patterns in lab results that the rest of us miss. So she never did advanced work in biology. Who cares? I'm up to my eyeballs and biologists already. Chris looked at Matthew. Matthew and Game Boy working together and shook his head. And then Diana says, what's wrong? Matthew is wasted in a research laboratory. Your husband belongs in a classroom. He's a born teacher. 
Chris tapped Galaglass on the arm. Call me if you want to meet up at the gym. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the? <laughs> I'm sorry. Why? <laughs> Just why? I mean, Chris is down with a, he's down with experimenting. Chris is down with a lot of shit, apparently. <laughs> Oh my Some God. of it quite unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Diana has my number. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Chris went back to his work and I turned my attention to Matthew. I'd only seen flashes of this side of my husband when he was interacting with Annie or Jack in London. But Chris was right. Matthew was using all the tools in a teacher's bag of tricks, modeling positive reinforcement, patience, just the right amount of praise and a touch of humor. Why can't we just swab the surface again? Game Boy asked. I know it came up with mouse DNA, but if we picked a fresh spot, it might be different. Maybe, Matthew said, but there was a lot of mice in medieval libraries. Still, you should feel free to swab it again after you've taken this sample. Game Boy sighed and steadied her hands. And then Matthew goes, deep breath, Jeanette. And he gave her an encouraging nod. Take your time. With great care, Game Boy inserted a needle so fine it was almost invisible to the very edge of the parchment. There you go, Matthew said, slow and steady. I did it! Yay! <laughs> and Game Boy shouted. <laughs> Yay. You would have thought she split the atom. There were whoops of support and a high five and a muttered about time from Miriam. But it was Matthew's response that mattered. Game Boy turned to him expectedly. Eureka, Matthew said. His hands spread wide. Game Boy grinned broadly. Well done, Jeanette. We'll make a geneticist out of you yet. No way. I'd rather build a computer from spare parts than do that again. <laughs> Game Boy stripped her gloves off quickly. And then Matthew turns to his dear loving Diana. Hello, darling. How was your day? Mm. Darling is such an old fashioned word. Hello, darling. It's very British. Yes. Yes. Which is suitable. Or 1950s sitcom. Hello, darling. Or like... uh, Green um, Acres. Yeah. (laughs) Darling. Zsa-Zsa. Zsa-Zsa Gabor. Was it Ava or Zsa-Zsa? Wait, Zsa-Zsa. Green Acres was was Ava, Green Acres, yeah. Oh, it was Zsa-Zsa? Yeah. Matthew rose and kissed me on the cheek. One eyebrow lifted as he looked at Galaglass, who silently conveyed that all was well. Let's see. I worked some magic in the Beinecke. Should I worry? Matthew asked, clearly thinking of the havoc that which wind and which fire might cause. Nope. And I have a lead on one of the missing pages from Ashmole 782. Matthew's like, that was quick. You can tell me about it. On the way to the doctor's office, he said, swiping his card through the reader. By all means, take your time with Diana. There's nothing pressing here. 125 vampire genes identified and only 400 to go. Miriam called as we left. (laughs) And in my head, she's being that sarcastic, you know. (laughs) Chris will be counting the minutes. 500 genes to go, Chris shouted. Your gene prediction is way off, Miriam replied. A hundred bucks says it's not. Chris glanced up from her report. Is that the best you can do? Miriam pursed her lips. (laughs) I'll empty my piggy bank when I get home and let you know, Miriam, Chris said. (laughs) Miriam's lips twitched. Let's go, said Matthew, before they start arguing about something else. And Gal's glass is like, oh, they're not arguing. They're flirting. My jaw dropped. What makes you say that? Chris likes to give people nicknames. Gal Glass turned to Matthew. Chris calls you Wolfman. What does he call Miriam? Matthew thought about it for a minute. Miriam. Exactly. (laughs) And he calls Diana, Diana. Yeah. By the way. way. 
Exactly. Gal glass grin from ear, ear to ear. Matthew swore. Don't fret, uncle. Miriam hasn't given any man a tumble since Bertrand was killed. Miriam and a human? Matthew sounds stunned. Nothing will come of it, Galaglass said soothingly as the elevator doors open. She will break Chris's heart, of course, but there's not we can do about it. I was deeply grateful to Miriam. Now Matthew and Galaglass had someone else to worry about besides me. Poor lad, Galaglass sighed, pushing the button that closed the elevator doors. As we descended, he cracked his knuckles. Perhaps I will wrestle with him after all. A good thrashing always clears the mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Galaglass in this this run right here is pretty freaking funny. I've always loved him until he did that, but we yeah. won't talk about it right we now. We won't talk anyway, about that yet. That's in the freezer. Yeah. Exactly. A few days ago, I worry about whether the vampires would survive being at Yale once the students and faculty were around. Now I wondered whether Yale will survive the vampires. <laughs> and that is the end. Yay. Yay! This is a good chapter. It what was a good fun. Yeah, I Good change of pace. Yeah. Yes. Any last thoughts that you want to bring up before we go on? I'm sorry. The Chris wrestling thing was funny to me, and it, it kept hitting me wrong. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, I was like, "What a weird thing to ask when you." It first... was like such a weird non sequitur. Like, <laughs> you want to wrestle? <laughs> but oh I, my love, God. I love how her relationship with Lucy was like her relationship with Mary. Mm-hmm. More of a female presence in her life that yes. doesn't involve her aunts or somebody yes. above her, like a peer, which is good. Mm-hmm. Need more of that. And now she has a peer on their, her historian side, whereas Mary was a peer with her alchemical magical side. Mm-hmm. Both of them are humans, too. Yeah. I just liked her use of magic. I didn't understand it. There were so many times in this book, the first read, I'm like, I just don't even understand what's going on. And I still don't fully, I can't fully visualize it, mm-hmm. but I think I have a better understanding. Not not even because of the TV show, because that has nothing to do with it. Just time, maybe, <laughs> and experience yeah. and just having a, a second time to go over it. I like it. So I really, yeah. I really like that she was using the magic. Yeah. This chapter is way more involved. I think I was skimming through it the first read yeah. really fast. I'm like, yeah, nothing really happens here. Next, nothing really happens here. Yeah. And here's the thing. This chapter, chapter 16, uh-huh. it's more like what we were getting up until chapter 11. Yes. Because the last four chapters were all like the oddity. Yeah. It, I mean, this is more like the rich writing from Deb that we're used to. Right. This is more of the flow we're used to. Yes. Mm-hmm. We took a Chris detour, but we're back <laughs> on track. We're back on the road. So yes. there we go. And I think we're going to gavel it right here. Going once, going twice. Anything else? Nope. No. Sold. All right. It's time for housekeeping. Yay. This episode's housekeeping is brought to us by Patricia Smith. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Housekeeping. Who's got something for us? I do. Go ahead. I have something from Michelle. She says, I just caught up on both podcasts and it was good to hear your voices again. I especially liked hearing your problems with Diana's quote, best friend, Chris. (laughs) I was so confused on my first read by that characterization. I used my Kindle app to search for Chris in the first and second books to see where I had missed him. You voiced exactly what I felt when he showed up in the book of life with all of his problematic behavior. However, Mm. when Angela read the five-star reviews, I didn't hear mine from December 2020. Since you have so many, 
<laughs> so many. I, I, I realize you might not read them all, but I wanted to be sure. I probably you didn't go back to December. Yeah. yeah. I realize you might not have read them all, but I wanted to be sure you saw mine because it specifically mentioned your outstanding editing and quality of sound, which I appreciate very much. Oh, so oh, let me take the opportunity to read her five-star review now. Okay. Yay! Yay! From I'm the- excited because it's one we missed and we didn't know we had. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> she says, these three awesome women are longtime fans of Deborah Harkness's All Souls trilogy and more recently, the TV show, A Discovery of Witches. They share their enthusiasm and depth of knowledge in this fortnightly podcast that also has excellent production values. I appreciate how professional the sound is. No spikes or drops in volume, fun sound effects, clear audio. If you are a fan of the All Souls world, this podcast will enhance and expand your enjoyment of the books and show. Oh, It's almost like we wrote that ourselves. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. She hit everything that we're concerned about, yeah. right? For me, it's the sound. For maybe Gene, it's like the research and Angela, it's, I don't know, come up with something, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> the enthusiasm. The enthusiasm, yes. <laughs> and, oh, awesome. Thank you, Michelle. Thank, Thank you, you, Michelle. And this truly shows why we call this housekeeping, because sometimes we miss cleaning in the corners. I yes. know. <laughs> or we're just too lazy. Oops. I can't see it, so it doesn't exist. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> What do you have, Jean? Oh, I have an email from a longtime fan of the trilogy and a newer listener, Brigitte, and it's her first email. So I'm going to go for the whole thing. Brigitte, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, demons. Thank you for your podcast. It is always enjoyable and often thought provoking, especially when my frame of reference is often quite different from yours. I found that some of what you wonder at, I take for granted and vice versa. And we'll find we'll find out how true that is when we get to her closing. But anyways, I digress. Instead of re-listening to the All Souls trilogy on my commutes and dog walks, I have been going through your back catalog. At the moment, I'm binging your son episodes. <sighs> Just a minor point for your next reread of Sun Chapter 9. And the following two instances were something that struck me the first time I read the book. When Diana says about playing house, that she's playing for keeps, there's a pun there that I think is important. The keep is a central component of any medieval castle. It's where the Lord and his closest retainers live and sleep, and it's heavily fortified for defense and therefore where everyone retires to in case of siege. She's doing much more than playing house. She's playing Philippe for respect and control and power and time. Obviously, and I think Matthew understands the pun, even though it doesn't make him worry any less. Later, there's a reference to outward sign of inward concern. Another pun. It is used in Christian parlance for the sacraments. I know it from the Lutheran Catechism, but it is used by Catholics and other denominations too. The outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual grace, using it as an outward sign for an inward concern, is suitably irreverent. (laughs) Wow. Diana may be a pagan, but as a historian of early modern Europe, she would be acquainted with the term and would know that Pierre et al. would most likely also know the term. A good way to tell a pre-modern person with no knowledge of poker. Regards, Brigitte. The individual who doesn't like the term hot mess. Oh, my God. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you for writing in, Brigitte. And, and oh, that's awesome. Thank, thank you for understanding that we just really wanted to clear up what it meant since we're coming at it from different culture perspectives. And thank you so much for writing in. We look forward to hearing from you again. I did not know that about the four keeps. No, I, I like either. that. That's great. Never knew that. I never knew that. It's like, oh, I'm playing for keeps. That means I get to keep the thing after we play. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like forever. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's well, and that's a great pun. It's a yeah, very it great is. pun. 
in our culture, that's what I mean. We remember, hey, we're doing it for keeps, keepsies, yeah, keepsies. Right. You know, we're doing it. Yeah. So, mm, Brigitte, you have opened my eyes, my dear. Mm. I appreciate that. I, I'm glad she wrote in. After all of that, I'm like, because I was like, oh, did we, I, when the microphone was off, I'm like, we didn't bash her, did we? We were nice, right? (laughs) (laughs) Jean was like, yeah, we were nice. I'm like, okay, yay. (laughs) Anyway, I have one from Barbara. Hmm. And it's not reference. Uh, the public show. This is reference after show episode sixty three. So oh, we Lord, can kind what of we do. Uh, we can kind <laughs> of explain it. But it says, "Hi, demons! Great after show discussion. I only have one teeny weeny observation. It's pretty fucking bad when both of your magic eight balls put a fitzio on you." <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah, we thought so too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'll explain the backstory on that. In our after show, I'd say the last 30 episodes, we close it out with shaking the magic eight ball and trying to get it to predict our future. Whether it's we're going to attack one of our partners with a knife or, <laughs> <laughs> or go someplace fun on vacation. Yeah. Or, you know. Or, you know, get past global pandemics pretty soon. Everyday questions. I know. (laughs) Everyday 2020 questions. (laughs) Angela, I think a few episodes back, had the great idea of shaking both of them. She has two versions. She has a tie-dye eight ball and she has a regular classic Classic eight ball. Classic black eight ball. And it's been topsy-turvy because over the pandemic, the tie-dye eight ball was the one giving us the answers we preferred. And the classic was like, yeah, whatever, bitches. Yeah. But... (laughs) It's gone back to normal, reverse, normal-ish, right? They're both giving us the middle finger now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she shakes them both, and now they're like, nah, bitch. No. 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 Whatever you want, no. Just It's just no. So, yeah. Um, Barbara, you're correct. It's given us the fitzies. And... We just, we just, yeah, maybe we need to like episode too. pull out a Ouija board for a while instead. <laughs> I don't know. Not with Jerry floating yeah, around. I too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I think the eight ball's the closest we're coming to it for now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure if I want to flip cards at this point. Oh God. Yeah. We're going to stick to the eight ball. Yeah, let's stick to the eight ball. So what was the, like when we decided to stab one of our partners, we won't mention it. But if you guys are interested, you can go to join patreon.com slant demons. Yeah. Two bucks a month will get you there and you'll get to see whose partner we were going to stab that day because they were being extra annoying. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> which, and all, I think, which all ties back into the last few episodes here we've had in our discussion of the Book of Life, which may also help explain why our perspective is our, the way our perspective is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it was the rare time that both the eight balls agreed and it was decidedly <laughs> so that it that was warranted. Certain, it was warranted and that certain partner deserved to get what they got. Um we spared his life this time, so it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. No scars. All right. <laughs> no scars. Oh wow. <laughs> all right, so that's it for housekeeping. Now we're going to go on to save it for the show. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Valerie. <laughs> the 
episode, Save It for the Show, is brought to us by Sarah McCatherine. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Thank Sarah. You. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, the show. All right. This episode, Save It for the Show. The topic is social media etiquette. Things we've seen over the years and behavior in general. Not directed at you, audience. Not you guys. I know you're well behaved. Angela, you leave this one off. Hey. (laughs) I'll open it up with an offense I see over and over and over and over again. And it's sharing of other people's content. And again, this is not directed at you listeners. It's just something I see, um, whether it's our content that's shared or whether other people sharing other people's content. Number one rule, not only just name the source, if you can, share it from the source. There's that little button that allows you to share it, and it's either a repost or a retweet or a regram um, instance. Put it in your story, and you can just share it right from the original post. You can still take the person if you want, like, hey, look what I did. I shared your stuff. But it'll automatically credit the source, and it'll link it back to the source. So it's important. I mean, it can be confusing if you do it otherwise, and it's such a small act of kindness and of etiquette to do it the right way. Provenance. We were discussing that earlier. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's a version of provenance. It's also a way to show your gratitude. We always regram or we reach retweet and and preserve the links in order to let the person who originally found it get some credit too. Right. I think this has been a thing since the beginning of time with us. When I say the beginning of time, the beginning of our social media lives as an mm-hmm. entity, which would be take us back to 2012, mm-hmm. where people would take maybe a graphic or maybe a quote or maybe something, copy, paste it in their own tweet and present it as theirs, like the little clever jerks they were. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I think now we're more used to it when it happens, but we still side eye people when that happens. And like I said, it's not directed at anybody in the audience, but just as a, I don't know, a kind of like, hey, you're new to social media. These are the things you should probably do. And Mm -hmm. these are just helpful tips. And these are the things you shouldn't let other people do to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But. In the case when they do it to us, what what do we do? I'm curious. What do we normally do besides side eye their asses? I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's, and it's, it's hard because and bitch amongst ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> do we do a lot of that? Yeah, yeah. People f- freely share clips from the show, whether it's still shots or little snippets. So we don't actually, it's not ours. We didn't create that. We didn't hire the actors and shoot it ourselves, but we might've taken the time to source it, to give, and and we do give credit to a discovery, which is TV or Sky or Sundance or whoever we, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we're allowed to take it from. So I I don't know. I mean, I think people think, well, that's not yours. So I don't have to credit you, even though you might've changed the composition or the color or cropped it or, you know, spliced it together with another clip. They just think, well, it, you, you don't need to be credited or let me just throw it up and I'll just put your name on it. But I'm not saying I'm not crediting you, which is yeah, right. it's kind of one one feels like they're being used as someone else's file cabinet. Yeah, it's not exactly. a nice yeah. feeling. It's not a yeah. nice feeling. People come in and pillage and this and that. And, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Like our old I even see this still. 
if you go into our archives, we've transcribed and saved a lot of old interviews with Deb from over the years and other people. And a lot of times it's, I can tell when somebody's found our archives and then they just start sharing all this. And I should use the word sharing loosely mm-hmm. when all of these old things start cropping back up. And it's finally, you know, sometimes you just want to go, Hey, it's nice that you found all of our stuff. It might be nice if you like tell people where you found it so they can read the whole thing rather than your screenshots of it. Mm-hmm. Right. That. And I think a lot of those interviews, I think we decided to transcribe them and make them into PDF files. And of course, you know, the author is credited and then we give the link to the where the article can be found mm-hmm. because the internet wasn't as reliable. reliable and pervasive back then. And a lot of people didn't have Twitter. So they didn't get all the latest news articles and stuff. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we could point people, hey, if you want to see this article, here's a transcript of it so you can read. And if Mm -hmm. you ever want to show it to somebody else, you can send them this link. This is where it lives online. Mm -hmm. So as kind of a helpful feature for those people who weren't very Internet or social media savvy at the time, 2012 were the early days, man. I joined Facebook in 2008. So, I mean, those are early days when it came to social media. Twitter, I think I joined in 2008, but didn't actually use it until 2012, really. I think I joined it to, I don't know, enter a contest. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Now I use it to rant all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, yeah, that's why. And screenshots. That's, I think, Angela Esther, you were talking about before, right? Yes. The screenshots that we like. Okay. So after each episode, we would screenshot prominent scenes. Now, those images don't belong to us. But when you screenshot a scene off of a digital file, it comes out so dark and dull and not colorful at all. So you have to kind of tweak it a little bit. So it actually looks like a pleasant image. It takes time. It takes time. And so what I usually do is put little watermarks, not copywriting it because it's not my copyright, but I put little watermarks. So if we see that image floating around, I'm like, oh, we see you. We know where you got that. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> I mean, oh, come on, guys. Just be more mindful and thoughtful because someone has taken the time. If you see mm-hmm. something gorgeous on Twitter, don't just take that photo and just redistribute it. Just say, hey, this person took the time. Go visit the rest of their stuff or go see, yeah. you know, where it came from. It's just courtesy. And it's also context. I mean, if you can go back to the original source, there might have been a post with original details and the original credit. And I mean, all that gets mm-hmm. lost when you just slap it in your story yeah. and, you know, put someone's name on it. Yeah. yeah. Or and I'm thinking maybe some of this is a function of the people not knowing the medium very well, yeah. not know, knowing how to how things actually work, how you actually share things and do things and may may have only figured out one workaround to do it. Which may not be the most ideal one, which would mm. be me sometimes. We yeah. just start freestyling and figure out, well, I need to get this from here to there. Some of and these you know, methods, the though, it's figure. like, do you see anyone else doing that? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> now. And I've asked, no, not you, but I've asked my own child the same questions when she like beha- used to behave outside of the box. I mean, way outside of the box. I'm like, do you see anyone else doing that? Do you not have contact clues around you? <sighs> <laughs> 
It's like, oh, fuck it. You know, and then some people are, are like, oh, no, that's good enough. I did it. That's good enough. Whatever. Yeah. And they wipe their hands of it. And I think in this case, good enough is not good enough. No. Good enough. And things get widely shared. And then there's like, oh, well, where did you get this version? Where did you get this? Where did you get this? And then, you know, Sky can take down the whole thing and say, oh, listen, there's a big fight. We actually own everything and fuck you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm suing you and you and you and... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could come down to that. So, you know, be mindful, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Anything else with that? I mean, I feel like we go through this every few months where we're like, oh, this person's acting badly on social media. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then we blackball them for a while. <laughs> Until our eyes get rolled out, rolled back down from the back well, of our heads. Some, I don't mean to sound ingrateful, but sometimes it's not an honor for you to, for someone, another entity to share our stuff. You know what I mean? If it's not going to be yeah. properly credited. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fine. But okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really don't want the credit from you because you have just botched everything we did. And <laughs> yeah. you made it look stupid. It's like, wow, true. You, you really mucked that up (laughs) (laughs) okay but that's why linking it to the original source would show the original intent yes and quality yes god okay before this devolves into something terrible (laughs) yeah (laughs) stick with us audience after this break we'll do last thoughts and things we can't let go of apparently we can't let go of that yeah This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836. By the way, your carrier rates apply here. Or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela alive. Anybody have any last thoughts? No. I'm just I'm thinking no. about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like still thinking about it. <laughs> I'm enjoying being in New Haven and I look forward to New Orleans. Oh, wow. yes. Yeah. That's a while away, girl. We have a plane ride. We have no, shit. We've got, we've got shit to muck through, which we won't we got talk a lot about of yet. shit to do. Before I want to New live Orleans. in the moment in New Haven for a while, though. Thank okay. you. Okay. 
Yeah, I didn't enjoy New Haven as much as I did this time. This particular chapter was fun for me. I mean, yeah. even besides the wrestling thing with Chris. With <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't not love it, so that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, that was funny. That was Yeah. That, that was, was the funniness. That was the funny we need. It was like, wait a minute, where did... <laughs> it was like a personality transplant. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? You want to rustle? <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, and I don't mean to not me. I don't mean to go backwards and rip on Chris, but I, the reason I, I mean, I can see why you thought it was funny, but it kind of irritated me that he's always like putting people in slots on like, and how can he can use them? How can you be okay. useful to me? Okay. That's two ticks. There we go. Okay. We're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Only two. <laughs> Only two. We did really well. Very good. Very good. Very bravo, bravo. good. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let me see. You people done with your last thoughts? Anything yeah. else? Gal Glass made this chapter all better. Yeah. <laughs> he neutralized the other things. Yeah. yeah. He just needs to brush his hair. Come on, man. <laughs> I kept thinking of Hagrid when she said that. <laughs> I, I love Hagrid. He's my favorite character in the whole series. I love oh Hagrid, too. That's why I'm like, I could just see him patting his head going, not today. Oh, sh- Did something uh, nest in there today? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a broken comb. Shit. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Finding all kinds of shit in his hair. Oh, my God. So my last thought. Here it is. As enjoyable as this chapter was, and thank you for slogging with us with those last three chapters, audience, you know, uh, grappling with Chris. And we know, we know. Grappling. A lot of people- <laughs> <laughs> or wrestling, whatever. <laughs> that's obnoxious, but that's also me. <laughs> um, we appreciate you guys sticking with us, standing by with us. We had to get that out. We, we had, had a moment. It, it was the whole Chris thing. It's like once we got that out. Look, I can move on with this book and deal with Chris, and it's no big fucking deal anymore. <laughs> Especially he's like wrestling with everybody. I mean, it's no big deal, and we realize there are people out there with valid points on why they like Chris. I mean, Diana does need a friend on her side. Diana, she needs. He's a Hamish, and I guess this is what Chris you guess. Leave it there. Stop. <laughs> you don't need to. You don't need to like reiterate their points because you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. No. Anyway, but yes, all the points that have come in from around the internet, and I've read them. I've read them in the discussion group. You know, people have had valid points about why Chris was a good thing and why they see it this way. And I've really appreciated reading all of that too. It hasn't changed mm-hmm. my mind, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So there's that. I think the next thing you guys need to watch out for is our souring on Galaglass. So I think that's the next thing. But right you, now we're, we're on a Galaglass high, so it's yeah. good. Yeah. He's fun. He's fun. He's still in the fun zone, right? Okay. I'm, I'm going to wager. I wasn't mad at Chris when I came into this book, but I, tr- I re-examined and I felt like you did. I don't feel at all like you do for Galloglass, so I'm wondering if I'm going to change my mind. I'm wagering no, but we'll see. Okay. okay. You didn't feel the same way? How dare you? <laughs> in what respect? In what respect? Yeah. I, I, you okay, were always I did. lukewarm with him? 
Yeah, he was just nothing burger to me anyways. I mean, I liked that he was respectful and nice and he played his part. He played his part. And I didn't like the whole, I, did, I didn't like the storyline of him pining for Diana. And I agree with you about what's going to happen on the airplane, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get, I don't have angst over it. I don't have a emotional reaction. I just, it's like, whatever, just let's, I don't know. And when have da- you never had unrequited love, Angela? Um, no, no. I think that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you have to experience that at least once in your life to feel that fucking stab. And it's like, no, I don't want to go through that again. <laughs> this is so true. When Deb gave you the answer, like, I'm like, and there's your answer. But you're like, no, that's not the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, ac- I accepted it was the answer, but I'm still going to bitch about it because it sucked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so here's another example of something having to do with us. It's not it's not necessarily Gal Glass. He's written that way. It's to do with me and my emotional state and the things I've been through in my life and my projections and my, you know, feelings. I'm like, no. Galaglass, don't go down that path. <laughs> and my whole so, thing was, I had this whole vision invested. In the way he he was written in Sun and and built up in a certain way, the wingman, the fun guy, the, and then and it's to like, be taken down by something petty like Diana being all like, in love oh, and goo goo over Diana. No, no, <laughs> no. Don't yeah, go down that trope. It's not, it's, you know what? And it's not even a triangle trope. It's the unrequited love trope. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, oh. it's it's. it's it's like a stunted you know, she, triangle. She, yeah, a stunted triangle. You know she's never going to choose him, but on the other hand, it's still kind of leading him on. And ugh. Do you think subconsciously it was written to balance out Matthew and Kit? Huh. Hmm. Well, that's new. Listeners, you're going to, I guess we're going to ponder on this and you're going to go on another Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Just got the preview. <laughs> I was just warning about the next mishap that's going to happen in this like, book with here? us. <laughs> yeah, and then Angela's like, boom! <laughs> So, yeah. Okay. So, audience, stay tuned for that. Galagos <laughs> is probably like the next thing that's going to trip us up for maybe two, three chapters. But that's not for a while yet. That's not for a while. So, you have a break and you have your demons back where we're reasonable. Yes. We're not railing or yelling at a character. <laughs> Too much, anyway. We did have two ticks this episode. Well, we're so. gonna we're gonna own up to, own up to. Well, at least I'm gonna own up to a, a change of heart with a character that's coming up. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'm giddy about that. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> you love it when I admit I'm wrong. I <laughs> and I love that you love it. I know. It just you know it just makes me happy. <laughs> Okay, guys. So, okay. Continue to write reviews. We love those. We won't lose them this time. We won't lose them. We'll be better. Okay. We'll do better. Discuss your emails. Okay. Just because I don't write a prompt doesn't mean you can't write something about the chapter involved. Uh, I'm going to definitely try to write a prompt this next time on chapter 17, but, you know, shit happens with Valerie in her life. Sometimes she doesn't get an email out. 
It's the puppies. It's my work. It's yeah, the puppies. <laughs> and the you puppies. just rather play play with the puppies, and I don't blame you one bit. Well, they can't be trusted a hundred percent in the house. Oh yet. God, they're that age. That's right. Yeah, so I have to keep them. When I'm not with them, I have to keep them confined to crate or I have to take them outside. And luckily this in Western Washington, this time of year, it doesn't rain very much. So they're outside playing, pooping and peeing and doing all this stuff. <laughs> and they're getting into the habit of not pooping and peeing inside. And, you know, there's that. <laughs> so they take a lot of patience and they take a lot of time, actually. And listen, someone should have stopped me from getting two. I love them both and I would never get rid of either one of them. But two, I don't know what I was thinking there. I was stupid. That's that's a lot. I mean, it'll pay like off though, won't it? Uh, I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> right now they're at a phase where they, all they want to do is bite each other's face off and I have to like separate. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> they're like, hey, let's fight. Okay. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. Stop it. They choose violence every single time. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So keep writing that write a review. I said that. Okay. And if you want to join us on Patreon, that would be great. It would help us keep yeah. going. You know, not that our patrons aren't helping us already, but yeah. Or if you're, if you're in the merch moon, just check out our store check out our store. That's right. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. What else do we have to promote? Um, follow us on social media. All yeah. of that. Oh, our mm-hmm. life, we're live tweeting the episodes on oh, yeah. every weekend. Oh, that's right. That's right. We're doing that. So, so it's going to be quite a while. I was just figuring out the calendar in my head. It's going to be like into September, won't it be? I think uh, it's the very tweeting? end of it's very end of August. Okay. Yeah, that goes all the way through the summer. So, oh shit, maybe this episode will be out by then. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I was was thinking we might be on episode eight or nine by the time this episode comes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and oh, we're going to time walk back to the day we recorded it, and you guys are about to find out who our interview was. Oh, right. Right. By the time you're listening to this, you will know that we got to sit down and chat with Trevor Eve. Yay! Oh my gosh. And that was two chapters ago, but okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's good. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, He's my so God. so wonderful. We hope you enjoyed that interview, what we had left of it anyway. We oh. we lost a lot of footage to storms and internet problems. Yes. And- they, apparently, there was, it was this was recorded when the storms were going on in the UK. Mm-hmm. Y'all were losing power and all kinds of fun stuff. And y'all, hence the gentleman in the back garden. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have no choice then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh what a charmer. Was... Trevor, if you're listening, you're such a charmer. Oh, oh my God. So we enjoyable. Totally right. Yeah. Totally. It was turned out suitably demonic, too. Yes. <laughs> all right, guys. So I think that's all I have for my last thoughts. Yep. So uh, beware of the Gale Glass chapters. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you next time. Yay. <laughs> Yay.